0: Welcome to this edition of A View from the Top. I'm John Morris and joined in his office with Bishop Gregory Parks, Bishop of our Diocese of St. Petersburg. It's been a very busy end of October, 1st of November. And first of all, I'd be remiss if we didn't at least acknowledge the great people that came out for the Family Faith Fest.
1: Well John, it's uh, it's wonderful to be with you and with our listeners again. Yeah, and you know, we're reflecting upon the diocesan family faith fest. What an amazing day for our diocese. We had over well over 10,000 people participated at some point during the day in all the different activities that were available. Uh, We had great music from the various artists that were present, Uh, lots of activities for the kids. I enjoyed just watching the kids have fun uh, in the kids' kingdom, and uh, then also spiritual things. You know, there was the Sacrament of Reconciliation available. We had adoration, the praying of the rosary. I think probably at least a hundred different ministries uh, had booths and tables set up where people could get more information. And then, of course, we finished with Mass, you know, with the Eucharist, which was just an awesome celebration.
0: What kind of comments did you hear from people?
1: John, mainly I heard gratitude. People were just very thankful for the opportunity to come, uh, to come with their family, with their children, with their spouse, with their friends just to come together as a community and just to celebrate our faith in a a very just enjoyable environment. And, uh, Overall, I think a very impactful event for the Diocese of Saint Petersburg. I had a number of people ask me if it's something we're going to do every year. Is it? <laughs> and, well, John, we'll 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 take that to prayer and see uh, see where the Lord <laughs> yeah, might lead yeah, sure. us with that. It's uh, of course a lot of work and effort, and I'm I'm so grateful to all the volunteers and those that worked so very hard to make this event happen.
0: I heard a comment that I think for me encapsulates it. As I walked around the park or drove around in the little golf cart, checking on things, seeing. Different different people come together, seeing the seminarians in town, seeing the different clergy come together for a social event, it was like a big family reunion where you haven't seen people in a while
1: let's be honest, it was
0: a party. you know. It, really it was, was just a really enjoyable day. And as
1: you said, when you looked at, at the crowd that was there, it was really a cross-section of our diocese uh, in terms of age and demographics and geographics. We had people from all over our diocese, from our northern counties, as well as in Tampa and St. Petersburg. So...
0: Now that that was the sort of the unofficial conclusion of our 50 years your your reflections on the on the the year in review so to speak for our 50 year anniversary.
1: Well, of course our theme for the year was to remember the past with gratitude, to celebrate the present with joy, and to look to the future with hope. And when I think back to the initial planning stages for this year and the celebration, I wanted to have several events that would be, as I said, impactful here in our diocese. We consecrated our diocese to the Immaculate Heart of Mary in May at the cathedral. Uh, In June, we had our official anniversary mass at which our nuncio, uh, Archbishop Pierre from Washington, was able to be present. And then in in October, we had the Diocesan Family Faith Fest. So each each of those celebrations was impactful in its own way and contributed, I think, to the celebration of the special anniversary.
0: Shortly after that, we had a a big event at the cathedral, and it was the relics of Padre Pio, St. Padre Pio. It was a big turnout. John,
1: it was huge. Uh, In fact, we don't have an exact count, but the estimates are that thousands of faithful uh, came to the cathedral on that day to venerate the relics of St. Pio. Uh, Just a very, very spiritually moving experience. I was able to, to stop by the cathedral in the morning and uh, spoke with several individuals that actually attribute some favor to the intercession of St. Pio, or even a miracle that they believe because of St. Pio's
0: intercession. Now, some people that didn't go, and I know even some people that did thought that maybe there would be like a the real room, I mean, like a body almost. You know, in Catholic tradition, it's not always that. It might be a follicle of hair or something that he, he, he wore or something of that nature. How do you address that for people that don't understand the Catholic tradition of of that practice?
1: Sure. Well, we we do believe that the body, which is created by God, is good in and of itself. And so we do look to the body as something to be reverenced and to be taken care of in our own lives. So when we have the remains of a saint, uh, somebody who lived a uh, heroically virtuous life in our world— And therefore, the church has confidence of saying that this person is with the Lord. You know, we we want a part of that person, (laughs) literally, and that's kind of how the relics developed. You know, there was felt that being close to that, we could be close to that person and to their prayers and intercession by being close to them. So for St. Pio, we had a number of items that were there. Uh, actually, uh, some of his hair, as you mentioned. There was a, a scab, so a actual scab or scar from the stigmata that he received, the wounds of Christ on his own body. We had uh, one of the gloves uh, that he wore over the stigmata so as to not draw too much attention to it. There was a piece of clothing as well as a handkerchief as well. So just various items that uh, that St. Pio, either from himself or things that he wore for the faithful to be able to venerate.
0: If you're not familiar with Padre Pio, this was not someone that was back in the 1500s. This was in the 1900s, and he had a gift, or I guess that's what you would call it, where he had the stigmata. Can you talk about that a minute?
1: First of all, as you said, John, what's inspiring is uh, St. Pio, or Padre Pio, as he's more commonly known, is a modern-day saint, unlike many of the saints of our faith, which date back centuries, even to the first centuries of the church. He lived his life primarily during the 20th century. In fact, he didn't die until 1968. So he is a very much a modern saint. In fact, I encountered or met people there at the cathedral that actually met him. Oh, wow. There was one woman who is from uh, Pietro, China, which is where he was raised and where he ministered in, in Italy. And uh, she said that she can remember her mom taking her to see. Uh, Padre Pio, that he was just a a very popular figure, a very well-loved figure at that time. So again, he's a modern saint, and I think that's very attractive but also inspirational to people.
0: So what is the stigmata that he had?
1: So the stigmata has been given to certain individuals during their lives. What it is is a visible reality of having the wounds of Christ appear on your own body So, for example, on your hands, you would be able to visibly see the nail marks of Christ, the same on your feet, on your side. So it's a a gift, a, a blessing, really, that God gives to certain individuals. They share in the sufferings of Christ, and that includes the visible sufferings that Christ endured during his passion and during his crucifixion. Padre Pio suffered much in his life both physically. He had many different types of ailments and pain, uh, but also spiritually. He had many battles in his life, and so he certainly shared in the passion of Christ, which is why it's uh, uh, only appropriate now that the church recognizes that he's with the
0: Lord in glory. For some, and we know this in church history, when the church, and I'll put that in quotes, encounters individuals who have this gift, as you say, or have seen some kind of a miracle, let's uh, say in Medjugorje, the church has to do an investigation. And that puts a lot of pressure on the local bishop. I'm sure that the church, in its wisdom, while he's still alive and experiencing this stigmata, the church had to do some investigating themselves. And this is to a clergy, not a layperson. Well, they did. And in fact, because of the
1: stigmata that St. Pio received, it, it only increased his popularity which kind of made the Vatican and the Pope a little suspicious as to its authenticity. So for a period of time, really, uh, St. Pio or Padre Pio was kept out of public ministry. He was tried to to be almost suppressed in a certain way. But eventually, he was redeemed in that an investigation did show that the wounds of Christ that he bore uh, were authentic. And of course, he went on from there to do great things.
0: We had a staff meeting earlier today at the Pastoral Center, and you mentioned that uh, you'll be going up to Baltimore for the fall meetings of the annual uh, bishops' conference. And uh, there's a lot on the agenda, and I know a lot of it's going to have to do with the uh, sex abuse crisis going on. What are you expecting to hear, and do the local bishops have a game plan going in with an agenda, or is it all coming from the top down, or is it just a free flow of discussion?
1: I I think, John, that uh, what my hope is that it'll be a very important week and a very productive week. Appropriately, we as bishops are going to begin our time together in prayer. So uh, there's been a change in the schedule. Normally, we begin on Monday with a business meeting. We open the the week with a meeting. Uh, It's broadcast publicly uh, on, on both closed circuit as well as on TV and on the Internet. But this year, actually, Monday will be a day of prayer penance and fasting for the bishops so that's going to be the priority is to begin in prayer and I know for myself certainly we will be invoking the Holy Spirit and the guidance of spirit of the Holy Spirit upon our meeting upon our deliberations and discussion and most importantly upon the decisions that we make during the week Uh, it is going to be a little different meeting. probably the agenda will be very very heavily focused as it should on the current abuse crisis in the church, the neglect of, of bishops over the years and decades in dealing with these events, abuse on the part of the bishops, and then of course what steps can be taken to uh, to rectify these things going forward, to ensure that they don't happen again.
0: The media is going to be covering this more so than probably any other time in coverage of the Catholic Bishops Conference meetings. Do you foresee there being any kind of concrete measures that will come forth from the meetings that the media will fairly cover?
1: I hope so, John. Um, I think what our faithful can look forward to is uh, some proposals that will be made during the meeting and on which the bishops will vote on. For example, a, a code of conduct for bishops which explicitly states how bishops are to conduct themselves and what will happen if they fail to do so. There'll also be proposals on, I think, a a national or a nationwide call-in number where individuals who feel that a they've been abused by a bishop or that a bishop has not handled a, an allegation properly, that they can call into an independent third party to report that allegation against the bishop. So it's not just an internal process, but should give the faithful confidence that they can actually report things and that it will be taken seriously. So these are uh, just a couple of the what I think are positive steps that we need to take. And my hope is that the media will present them as such
0: normally there's discussions on liturgical matters. I think there's something going to be on race unless that got pushed to the side. I know that uh, that was something that was talked about a couple of months ago here in our own diocese.
1: Yeah, one of the other items that'll be addressed during the meeting is a presentation of a new document by the bishops uh, against racism here in our country, something we've been working on for a couple of years, and I do anticipate that that will be presented for approval and receive approval uh, at the meeting next week. This is an issue that, you know, here in the Diocese of St. Petersburg, we've been, as a church, trying to address and, and bring the issues to light in the hope and with the expectations that in recognizing the problems, that we can move forward with solutions uh, to overcome this, this terrible sin.
0: Speaking of elections, usually there's offices that are open, and I happen to be looking at the agenda, and I see that they're looking for a treasurer, and I see Bishop Gregory Parks of St. Petersburg is on the ballot. How did you get that? Did you, That's do, a good question, do, do you, John. Do, do they, are you nominated or do you say, yeah, I'll put my hat
1: in the ring? No, uh, there's, a, there's actually a committee which puts forth nominations of uh, bishops that they feel could serve a particular office uh, in, in a productive way. And uh, so I was approached a number of months ago about having my name submitted to run for treasurer of the bishops' conference. I, I think it's primarily because of my background. I have a degree in finance. I worked in business for a number of years before entering the seminary and um, have been involved in the, so to speak, the business of the church uh, all throughout my priesthood and now as a bishop. So uh, so I was happy to, to put my name in for consideration, and, and we'll see what happens. If I'm elected, I'm very happy to serve and hope I can make a positive contribution.
0: What kind of time does that take in, in fulfilling that role from what goes on here in the Diocese of St. Petersburg? Because I know there's got to be some kind of sacrifice. Well, it it
1: takes quite a bit of time, and uh, one of the things that our our listeners may not be aware of is that when you're appointed a bishop and ordained a bishop, uh, you're not only given responsibility for your own diocese, but as a bishop, as one of the successors of the apostles, you have a, a certain care and solicitude concern for the whole church. And as a result, we also, as bishops, serve the larger church, not just our own diocese. So these are ways that I'm, as a bishop, able to serve the greater church here in the United States. I'm also on a number of other committees that serves the conference right now. Uh, But it does take time, primarily meetings, which either occur uh, by conference call or maybe once or twice a year in-person meetings. So it does take me away from the diocese, but it's not a not a significant amount of time, and it doesn't distract me from my ministry here.
0: Speaking of elections, we just had elections this past Tuesday night. There were some surprises and some that uh, there weren't as shocking. I know I live in Pasco County, so we get to vote on Mosquito Control Commissioner, and Skeeter won again this year. (laughs) Okay, Uh, very good. uh, Yeah, yeah. Is there anything that surprised you?
1: Yeah, I, I'll leave the uh, kind of the analysis of the results of the election to the political pundits and experts. But I, I would just say that, uh, you know, we, we remain a divided country. And a uh, couple of things, a couple of observations. First of all, as, as you may have heard, there was a very, very good voter turnout this year. Oh, yeah. So I was very proud, very um, pleased to see that as Americans that we still understand that our ability to vote is a right, but also a privilege, and that we shouldn't neglect that, because that's really our voice in politics is how we vote. But secondly, we still see the divisions that exist uh, in our country, and uh, that's very evident politically. So I would just say that after the election. Um, Kind of glad it's over with, actually, well, with, with all the ads that we see on television and, and on the radio and so forth. But I would just say, as a country and as people of faith, I think the best thing we can do is to pray. You know, to pray for our newly elected officials, to pray for all those who, who serve our country, who serve our local governments, that they will use the power and authority that has been entrusted to them to pr- promote the common good, to promote respect for all life and to truly work for unity here in our country.
0: We mentioned at the outset of our program that uh, we were at the Family Faith Fest, and there were a lot of children there from our various schools and communities, and we had to, the chance to ask some of our children what they would like to ask the bishop. Okay. <laughs> and what we've done is uh, we've got those recorded.
1: Hi, my name is Lulu, and I go to the Christ the King Catholic School. I have a question for you. What is your favorite movie? My favorite movie. Well, I don't know that I could identify one. I would say I'm, I'm one of those people that has a few movies that if I'm flipping through the channels uh, on TV, if I happen to see one of them, I'll probably stop and watch it. Uh, movies like, for example, uh, Field of Dreams. Okay. Uh, that's one of my favorites. Uh, I'm a sports fan, so I love anything with sports. Apollo um, Apollo 13. Uh, would be another one. I've always found that just very interesting how they work through all the different adversities of that mission, um, and the and the drama that ensues there. One of my favorites, which uh, maybe a little controversial, is Braveheart. Oh, that's uh, a good one. You know, it's a good movie, but I, uh, I I do recognize there's a lot of violence in sure. there as well. But it's also somewhat inspirational as to what a a group of individuals who's convicted about something and willing to fight for it can actually accomplish. So those are just a few of my favorites. Gladiator? I do like Gladiator as well. (laughs) Uh, Again, I I think part of that is – The Roman – Well, yeah, the whole Roman experience, uh, having lived in Rome for four years and to see how they recreated some of those venues is, is interesting to me. Hi, my name is Claire, and I go to Christ the King Catholic School, and I have a question for you. What is your favorite breed of dog? <laughs> well, I am, a, uh, I am a dog lover, John. Not Nothing against cats, but no, my, my preference you. would be to have a dog, and we had uh, several while I was growing up. I would say I, I, I probably like, we, we, we had a couple of miniature pinchers. Now, that might be interesting to some of our viewers because uh, they're relatively small dogs, right. <laughs> and, and I'm a big person. Yeah, you, uh, so you, you, you
0: and <laughs> your brother and, and your other brother, Chris, were, were all over six foot. Yeah, I'm
1: six foot eight, six foot eight. My younger brother, Stephen is six foot four. But anyway, we, we had these little dogs, and uh, – I don't know. I just enjoy them. They were a lot of fun. They are high energy and short hair. So I was happy about that, that they didn't make a mess around the house with the with the shedding. But uh, I would say probably the miniature pinchers.
0: I know that some of our priests around the diocese have dogs. Uh, you don't have one right now, do you?
1: I, I don't, John. Probably don't have time. Well, that care. that's one thing is it'd be difficult to properly care for it because I'm out of town quite a bit and away from the house during most of the day. But also, I have enough of a challenge trying to take care of myself. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: My name is Patrick, and I go to Bishop Park and Catholic School. And why do you like your favorite
0: food? If you have a restaurant or, or something you want to prepare at home? what, what would you go for?
1: I would say uh, in general, uh, probably my favorite is Mexican. I, I just really enjoy that. I, I don't know why. I, I have certain things that I like, uh, quesadillas as well as uh, chicken enchiladas. Those are two of my favorites. And a good guacamole is always excellent with chips. So I, uh, given a choice, if there's a good Mexican place around, and I've been able to find a few here in our, our local area, I always enjoy going for Mexican food. Yeah,
0: and it's usually light on the wallet too. It is. <laughs> that helps.
1: <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Hi, my name is Edward. I go to Bishop Lincoln Catholic School. And did you choose to be in the priesthood or did God choose for you to be in the priesthood? So Edward, that's a awesome question and one that I get asked quite a bit. We believe that we are invited by God to serve as a priest. So it's not something where typically you say, well, boy, I just always you know, uh, want to be a priest, like I want to be a policeman or I want to get into business or I want to. It's, um, it's really a very special vocation. And uh, we believe that the origin of that is found in God's invitation to us. We believe it's God who chooses us and invites us to consider that for our lives. And hopefully we have the courage to be able to say yes to his call.
0: If you have any questions for Bishop Parks, you can send us an email to contact at myspiritfm.com. Just put Bishop Parks in the subject line, and we'll be happy to uh, present that question to Bishop Parks for you in a future show. Bishop, may we close with your blessing.
1: Uh, Of course. And so may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit descend upon you and remain with you always.